Welcome to another episode of Make Defense Great Again. My name is Chris Fasser, a.k.a. Coach Fast. Thank you so much for joining me. Today we have Cody Alexander, creator of MatchQuarters.com. We take your questions. We talk about defending double moves, creating odd fronts with 425 personnel, learning the foundation of defensive language, attacking six-man sort protections, wing TRPOs, defending the split veer and bone, creating call sheets, defending different types of bunches, gap and half D-line technique. And then we talk about how in the NFL, they're meshing odd too high and even one high. All right, I'm going to keep this short and sweet. I've been up watching the Sarah De La Salle game and then editing this podcast. I'm exhausted. I haven't been to bed yet, and it's 6 a.m. I've been talking about it forever. The tight front bundle is finally done. Three courses, 167 lessons, 28 hours of instructional footage and video. Labor Day sale, $99. It's basically buy two, get one free. Go to bit.ly slash tight. Again, that's bit.ly slash tight front vast. Check it out. Labor Day weekend sale, $99 for 28 hours of instructional footage. For point of reference, the average coach tube course is about an hour. And I would say is somewhere between $29.99 and $39.99. For $99.99, you're getting 28 hours but only through the weekend. So check that out. Bit.ly slash tight front VAS. Also underdog fantasy, put in the code VAS sign up for as little as $10. They'll match your deposit up to hundred. You get the opponent breakdown, game planning, practice planning, and creating a call sheet course for free, regular 49 99. That course is about three and a half hours and comes with two sets of practice plans, two call sheet templates. For everything else, go to Twitter at Coach Vast, the show's account at MDGA Podcast. Check out my link tree. Everything is there. I am exhausted. I need to get some shut eye so I can be nice and perky for tomorrow's nine hours of football that we're going to do in playback. So let's get started. Let's get into the show. Let's get into it, man. My guest today is Cody Alexander, creator of Match Quarters. Coach, welcome to the show. Glad to be back on. I certainly appreciate your time. Now, before we get started, there's been a lot of questions. You have decided to step away from coaching for now, maybe, maybe for good. Where's your head at? What What are you doing? What are you? Uh, what can we expect from you? I know you've been pushing a lot of content recently. It's been great. So, let the people know what you're doing. Yeah, I just we we sat down at a fa- as a family probably in in January February, um, had some opportunities to move to some some good programs would have been worth moving, but we just felt like for where our families at, what we were doing, that we needed to just kind of stay where we're at. Um, I'm, I live in my wife's hometown. Uh, I was able, you know, blessed to be able to coach with my dad last year, so I kind of got what I wanted to do. Um, and, and kind of kicked that uh, only really the only thing I had at my bucket list left was coach with my dad. I got that completed. I got him moved down here to, to Dallas. More importantly, I got my mom down here, uh, for, I got three kids. Um, so it was just, was important for us to have some stability, um, for my kids and, and they're both by their, their grandparents, uh, and being able to see both sets of grandparents every day. So this was kind of a, a no brainer for us. I could have easily struck my ego and, and gone and coached at some of these places. Um, but I thought it was better for me to do this. So what I'm trying to do now is, um, 
trying to scale match quarters, trying to build it up. Um, I'm trying to put out more content um, and just kind of just do what I've always wanted to do, which is just talk, talk football and make the complex simple. That's good. And you do a good job of that. We were joking during the pre-interview that uh, you're, you do such a better job of that than I do and, and really breaking things down. I kind of am like, well, you know, if you don't, if you don't know this stuff, uh, I'm really sorry, <laughs> which is not a, not a great business model when you're trying to uh, get new fans into the fold, but maybe I can take a page out of one of your books, literally. All right, so let's get to the questions. Uh, we're going to start with a uh, one that's, uh, I think, relatively simple and straightforward. A fellow Texan, Sean Syed, his Twitter handle is at Syed Schemes. That's S-Y-E-D. His question is, how would you teach your cover guys to deal with short double moves like stick return and stick nod? And I'll let you take that one first. Yeah, I think if you're in man coverage, uh, the the biggest thing to do is to make sure that they stay on top of the route. I, anytime that you talk um, about double moves with, with your defenders, it's always you've got to stay on top of the route. If you can stay on top of the route, you have a chance because you can at least get collision. Um, I think in zone, if you're playing a team that likes to do stick nod, then you're probably playing a lot of some sort of man free or you're playing some sort of single high coverage because they're trying to get you with the double out. And then they're, they're trying to get that, that inside defender, that linebacker to really be panic. And then they're, they're trying to hit it, hit it vertical. I think it, being able to cap that guy, know which where, where you're getting the double moves from. Um, and then obviously the way that you teach it of staying on top of the route. I think that's the most important part is teaching your coverage guys when you are getting double moves to stay on top of the route. So that way you can at least stay in the game. And then if you do get in an, an out of phase position, don't look back for the ball, go through, you know, run to the near hip and then play through the hands. I think I, there's no reason to overcomplicate it. There's not a coverage that's going to magically cover that stick nod. Um, I do think that you can, you can teach a technique to play double moves and, and be able to win those more than not. Yeah. I completely agree. I'll add to that by saying for counting for different types of coverages, you got to play to your leverage. You know, if you're, uh, you're playing two man, which I don't, I don't know if you'd play in a versus a team that you're expecting a stick route, but if you're playing something like a, a stick nod where you're, and you're the underneath defending, you're supposed to play inside and underneath and he beats you on the nod. Well, he's supposed to, you're supposed to be right. trailing, right? So you want to be between him and the ball. If you're playing, you know, man free and you're outside leverage, he, he's running the nod. He's running it to the middle field safety, you know, that sort of thing. Now that he's going to try and stick it in between there, obviously, but you know, it depends on the coverage. It depends on your leverage, you know, stick return. How do you defeat it? If you're an inside, let's say two man, for example, and you're an inside and underneath player. Well, you, you play your leverage. So, they, you know, they start to run this stick. You're inside and underneath. You keep your leverage. She has to run right back into you, and then you take that away. But some of those you're not supposed to take away. You know, if they're if, right, exactly. depending on your coverage. And so, I think it's just keeping your leverage, not overplaying. If you're an outside player, don't jump inside. You know, I, I would tell our kids if you're an outside defender and you get beat on an out, that's your fault. If you're an outside defender and you get beat on a quick slant repeatedly that's my fault now obviously we teach guys to undercut and make this but you got to play your coverage and the problem is like if it's if it's a scheme issue then that's my problem but if you're supposed right. to be outside and you get beat outside that that's on you and obviously ultimately it's 
becomes on me because I'm your coach, but you know, you just got to play your leverage, keep your leverage and don't overplay where you're not supposed to be. So exactly. I think that's perfectly put. All right. Next question. Christian Dearborn. I'll take this one first head coach and DB's coach at Moore park high school in Moore park, California. Shout out. He's at coach Dearborn. His question is our defense is a four, two, five. How necessary do you think it is to have a three front uh, package? I guess he means three down package. We see a lot yeah. more spread offense in league play than we do in non-league. Four-team league. Four-team league. Damn. I didn't know those still existed. All right, I'll take this one first. Depends on what you want to do. If you want to drop eight and you think that's the best way to play some of that stuff, then yes. Um, if you want to play tight front and you want to fit the ball, if you're seeing on the zone and you're like, hey, I want to play fall fits and you know, I want to get extra guys off the ball. Sure, but I don't think you need I don't think you need anything per se. If you have two really great edge rushers, don't know if I'd be excited about being in three down because if you have two really great edge rushers, now you have to play 505. Now you're having to talk about getting into three high safeties because you can't even that. I mean, one of those guys are playing in four eyes usually. So I think it depends on what you're trying to accomplish, but I don't necessarily think that you need anything. I think you need to look at, you need to reverse engineer it. You need to look at what you're trying to accomplish, what your ultimate goal is. And if you're not thinking about dropping eight, if you're not thinking about, you know, playing tight front or you just, you're doing it because you think, Hey, we need to have that in our package. Then I would say no. But if you're trying to look to get an extra guy off the ball or you're playing a team, you have one dominant edge guy and you want to move him around because teams are keying on him and they're, trying to turn everything him and you think, Hey, well, if I'm going to four down, that's easy to game plan that. Then. Yeah. I think, I think that's where going into some three down stuff would be beneficial. And then I think from there you have to feel how, you know, what's your best personnel. You can get an odd fronts out of your four, two, five. If you want to yeah. play the tight front, you overshift. And we, we did that before we even knew what the tight front was before coach Aranda was really doing that. We would just shift an odd and our boundary end would be in, a guy that could drop or rush off. And sometimes we would do it just to change the combos on zone. We didn't really know what we were doing. We didn't know we had a name or anything, but, uh, but you really have to think about, all right, do you want to play with six DBs? Do want to play with seven DBs? Like, how do you want to do that? And then some of the things I've laid out, if the answer is yes, then go ahead and do it. Cody, what do you think? Yeah, I think it, you hit the nail on the head. If I want to do drop eight, it, let's say we're playing like a, a Mike Leach-based air raid scheme. We're getting a lot of mesh. We want the quarterback to sit there and, and throw interceptions. Then I'm, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, odd front's fine. We'll get in 505. Especially like if I have two DNs, we'll get in some sort of a, a 505, and and we'll we'll still be able to get the pass rush and everything. We'll kind of we'll sort the run out. But again, like you said, you kind of have to get into that either three high world um, and start doing some different things. I do think to you can get odd spacing from your four down front. I think that's what you're seeing a lot of times at the college and the NFL level with how they're playing the interior guys, stacking them on the guard. You know, if you run a G front, it's not that hard for you to move that three to a head up or that two eye to a head up and then play kind of reductions and move those and, and get, get some, some odd spacing that way. Um, and to me, that's where I think if you want to go more that way, you're like, Hey, I want to, I want to sprinkle in odd spacing and then let's do some reductions and let's move some guys. And, and that way you can get kind of the A to C with, with your interior guys. But 
again, you're still probably going to lose some sort of an edge rush um, unless you're bringing some sort of a, a, a creeper simulated pressure off of that. So I think like if you're a four, two, five, uh, why do you need to run an odd front? That's what you've got to ask. What do we need the odd front? Is it just to change the look? Well, if it's just to change the look, then, then run some, run some of these things that get you into odd spacing instead of wholesale changing and trying to teach something new. You know, I mean, we, when I was at Baylor, we ran a lot of the, the Oki front. I've talked about it a lot, a lot. Um, and I've ran it at the high school level successfully where, you know, you're essentially just playing a heavy five. But like you said, if you have two edge rushers that are good, um, or you have to move one of those guys inside, now you have to play with, okay, well, the guy that's supposed to always go inside has to go over here. And then the other guy has to go over here. And now you're teaching something completely different. So if you've kind of lived in that four damn world, and that's kind of the world that you lived in. And you're like, we want to sprinkle in some, some odd front stuff. I think you would be better off running some like under fronts and then cutting the D in, maybe getting to some drop eight or play some of these, these, you know, odd spacing pressures or use your interior guys to create those fallback fits that, that you get in that, in those odd, in those odd spacing. So I think that would be more of a way to do it. Um, or like you even talked about wholesale, just doing it. Cause we used to do the same thing. You know, you reduce the guy in the end down, but again, can that not everybody's D end can go and then play a four eye like that or a three technique. Like that's not, that's not necessarily natural for everybody's D ends in a four front, a four down front. So that's kind of the, the road that I would go down. Absolutely. All right, let's go to the next question. Harold Greenfield. For a position you coach, he wrote problems, which made me laugh. <laughs> uh, his Twitter account's at Coach G Field, and he is coaching at the We We is Baden Phantoms. And we, I'm saying this completely wrong. We are bad in Germany. Avita saying, no, that's goodbye. No, that's thank you. No, that's goodbye. It is goodbye. <laughs> Just say that at the end. All right, this is one of the best worded questions uh, that I've ever received. Coach. The availability of football coaching content continues to grow post-pandemic, leading to more information that most coaches can consume. How can young coaches find foundational frames of reference to understand the unique vernacular within the defensive coaching world? I feel the offense are ahead of the defense in this area because the mass dissemination of air raid and West Coast systems with the same language. Thank you for all you do and for the coaches of the game. Well, first of all, thank you for the compliment and thank you for the thank you. Um, but... I'm going to go ahead and say this because he's here. Well, I'm not saying it because he's here, but it makes sense to check out Cody's stuff. Cody does a really good job of, of explaining this stuff. I know he, he does this. I try sometimes where I will explain a concept and try to explain the AKAs. There's very few universal concepts or yes. uh, words on defense. I There's a few like banjo maybe is, I think it's pretty much we've, we've right. figured that out, but People don't always use it, but it doesn't have multiple meanings. But there's a lot of that uh, going out there. Cody, what do you feel is a good way besides? Because I, I figured, you know, you're going first in this question, but I figured I'd plug your stuff I, so you didn't have to. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate it. And that's the thing. That's the beauty of it, like that we could both live in this space and you can both like what you do and you can like what I do because we are doing two completely different things Yet we're talking about a lot of the same concepts like you, you do, you, like you said, you do a great job with the, the minutia of things. There's sometimes I'm just like, I wish I knew more about that. And then, you know, like you said, I do more kind of making the complex simple. I think when you're a young coach, if you really want to say, okay, coach, just give me a place to start. 
I would sit down and I would try and learn Aranda, and then I would try and learn at least the basics of the saving system, the way that they call, the, the way that they tag things and the way they call things. If you can understand both of those and you can see where they marry over, then you can usually talk to almost any coach. Um, I know that like when I started out the same thing, it was kind of like, okay, you have to pick one or the other. I, you know, you got to sit down, you got to learn these just so that you can have a, a, a conversation. But I do think you then have to kind of, once you kind of identify those, the way that both of them talk, then you have to start thinking, okay, what are some common words that I'm constantly hearing from everybody? Cause I do think even though, um, football is weird. Like for instance, when I say cloud, a lot of people think that that's like cloud force, but to me, that's palms like, right. Like that most people know cloud as palms, like to read. So like being able to, um, kind of be able to understand it's like learning the English language. We have, we have words that have like three different meanings and they all, you know, they all sound the same. How can we get that going? So I kind of liken it back to that. And, you know, the teacher in me of like, okay, I, this means, this means this. Um, so you start with one, like I tell young coaches all the time, first off, learn your defense first. And then I want you to try and then branch out and try and prove it wrong and see what sticks and then learn other things so that you can bring that back. Oh, Hey, they teach this differently that they teach this. Oh, that word is this word. Um, so I think that you've got to pick one thing first and then you go to the next thing. And then once it, but I would start with an, Aranda and I would start with the Saban system and learn those because usually if you can do that, then you can usually talk to almost anybody because I think that is where we're at right now is like, those are the two big names um, where in terms of kind of everybody is learning that defense. I think if you start there, because you can find, I mean, you can find the Aranda Wisconsin. I mean, you can just Google it. You can find a playbook. I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure there's, there's saving stuff everywhere too. So, I mean, it's not something that you can't just like Google it and find something. I would just start with one or the other and then learn one, learn the other and just learn the basics. You don't have to learn the double calls and all that stuff. But you know, I, I think that is where I would start. You mean you don't need to know base strong three auto check dot model on day one. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm different in the way that I think like we're, this is where me and you are so different. Like you are okay because you come from that Gary. And we've had this conversation before because of your Gary Patterson way of thinking, you love the sentence structures and you're okay with long verbiage. And you're like, Oh yeah, this makes sense to me. Cause it's a totally way. I'm constantly thinking, how can I make this into one word? Like, how can I make this into one word? What is the simplest thing that I can get? And it, not in the necessarily sense of like stupid, like I'm, I'm making it as sim, you know oversimplifying, but like how can I make this sim, as simple as possible so that we so that I can communicate that? Because I think that's the key in language is like just making it simple and not necessarily going through the jargon. Yeah, and I think with Dave Aranda, I mean obviously Saban, Saban, but I think that's why Dave Aranda became so popular. I think it was that his stuff was so out there and. It was available, and it's interesting because most people learn the Dave Aranda Wisconsin stuff way after he was at Wisconsin. You know, I tracked a lot right. of these tendencies. I can tell you back in 2015, there weren't people dying to learn the Dave Aranda stuff at that time in, in mass. Maybe or maybe I was looking in the wrong place. But I think in that case, I think it was he got popular because it's available. There are some defenses that I would say if there were more stuff out there. They would have been more popular, but there's it's hard to find information. Um, 
So a couple points on this. One, what I did was I created, because I'm a nerd at heart, I created an Excel doc and I created a word. I would put the word that I learned first. So here's a concept that, uh, that comes to mind is adding on a blitz. So I have a guy, man to man, he blocks, I add. Some people call that hug rush. Some people call it green dog. Some people call it add, you know? So I would write the word I learned first, which was hug. And then I would do like what Cody said. And I, I 100% agree. Start with the Randa, then go to Saban. And then I would have a column that said Saban and then a column that had a Randa. Now I learned defense when coach Saban was still at the dolphins. And this is my time to plug that. I'm actually the guy that scanned that dolphins playbook. Uh, you can demo me the uh, $1 uh, and thank me. No, but in all seriousness, um, you, so when I was coming up, things were a little different, different playbooks were more available than others. And also what was being learned. Like I remember trying to learn the under because everybody was going to under quarters, you know, right. uh, versus two backs. I remember it, it wasn't under quarters. It was uh, under China. That was when that stuff, I remember there was like three clinics in a row where somebody spoke in under China, which if, again, this is to the point, if you don't know what that means. You're going to be like, well, what the hell's under yeah. China? <laughs> Charlie strong calls it orange, you know, whatever. <laughs> and it's under slide, getting a three back or a five, three under front with man coverage. Okay. And so what I would do is I would do it with terms or I would do it with fronts and I would kind of write under and then, you know, some people, most people call under under. So that's a little hard, but right. like over is a great example. A four, three over. Some people call it over some Gary Patterson calls it tight. And I would create like an Excel doc and kind of drop the words in, in the terms. And in addition to finding the Aranda stuff and the Saber stuff, find playbooks with really good glossaries. Yes. I learned special back in 2008, a special. I never heard of stubby. It's, and now some people argue it's different. It's really not the, 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 the yeah. differences are minuscule and really it, it's, it's, it's splitting hairs in my opinion. Now there's some people that believe that's not the case, but to me it is now. And I always make this joke about this one. Cause I, I believe this concept has the most names. Some people refer to it as mini. Some people refer yep. to it as lock. Bud Foster yep. came on here and said that he called it key. And I'm like, are you serious? And then since then, I've actually forgotten. Like Fangio calls it. Oh, I can't remember what they call it. It doesn't matter. But as time's gone on, I think I think I found up to nine different names. I remember I was talking to, I think I was talking to Matt Pease about something. He goes, yeah, yeah, we run this cover. Oh, Rex Ryan calls it taxi. Like where, where does that come? I mean, where does yeah. that come in? You know? And then, so keeping all that straight and then like Cody says, you're going to find the most common term you're going to learn. And not every defense besides say, but not every defense has, has every concept. And so you're going to see, and then how they structure things like Saban's a memorized guy. So some of the shit that he does doesn't make sense. They have an Oscar call. That means two completely different things and two completely different calls. There's no overlap, but they're both called Oscar. Um, people put things in families. Cody's really good about this. It's putting things into families. I don't believe so. And, and Cody mentioned this. I'm a dumbass, and I have a hard time remembering things that I read. So that's why I like the sentence structure because yeah, you got to say more words, but you got to memorize less stuff if you're a player. Right. But if you're trying to conceptualize stuff as a coach, it's confusing as shit because it doesn't. There's not a lot of carryover. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean. Because at the end of the day, like I, I grew up 
in football, really, when I worked at Baylor under Bryles. And if, if we couldn't have gotten away with half that stuff, so we had to, everything had to be conceptualized. And I think that we were a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of that with Phil, under Phil Bennett, where now I think, like you said, a lot of the defenses are more conceptually based. They're coverage-based, and so they're, they're, they're less wordy in the way that everything's structured. Yeah, and if you're playing tempo, like, that's important. You have those short calls, right? right. I mean, that's the big thing. But for us, the wordier calls were on third down, third and six. Well, teams aren't going tempo. If you just get your ass kicked on first, second down, most teams aren't going to go really fast on third and nine. Right. And that also, like, when you were coaching the Baylor at that time, tempo was king. Tempo's not king anymore. Yeah. Is it, is it nope, effective? Yeah. Is it used? Yeah. But, like, teams used to be like, we don't care if we bust as long as we go really fast. We're going to confuse the defense and line up in 10 personnel. Those days are kind of over. I mean, even the guys that pioneered that shit, like Chip Kelly's not even really doing that anymore in spurts, but yeah, not no. the whole game. Yeah. I mean, Jeff Levy, Jeff Levy isn't doing it anymore. I mean, even Kendall, uh, if you go to um, Arkansas, Heifel, uh, who learned it from uh, Jeff Levy, isn't doing it at, you know, at the tempo that it was back in 2011 through you know, 15 when everybody was kind of trying to go as fast as they possibly could. So, but I do think the one thing that came out of it defensively is you now are more conceptually based, you're coverage first based, and that has changed the way that everybody thinks about structuring and calling their defense. And so I think that is kind of that, that, you know, we always talk about the defense is always behind the offense. That's where I think if there was any positive that came out of it, it made everybody kind of, restructure the way uh, that they do things. And I think it made it better, but that's just my opinion. Yeah. And also you have to defend stuff differently. Like if I, Oh man, hundred percent, you know, if I, if we were back 15 years, would I use all that stuff? No, but you, you know, you even, you talk to guys like Greg Brown, Ron Roberts, David Randy, who pioneered a lot of those sim pressures and stuff. They'll be the first to tell you, we don't run in verse 21 and 12 personnel. We run fire zones. Because they're not good. Right. They're meant to play certain things. Like right. and that's where that goes. Anyway, I've talked too long on this question, so I'm going to move on. I'm going to have you go first again, since I just talked so much. Uh, this question is from Chris Miller. Uh, he didn't put his position or where he coaches. Um, so he's some sort of offensive spy. I believe his Twitter handles at Chris Miller FTB. And his question is, what is your favorite way to attack the six man sort protection that has been dominating the nfl the last couple seasons i guess he means half slide yeah probably um you know for me probably if you're gonna have it and they're gonna they're gonna split it and i'm trying to find out where where if it's six man where's the back um i i think it's really important and you i think at every level is to force that running back to block it's kind of like i aching it to um Alex Gibbs in the wide zone. We don't block corners because at every level they're terrible tacklers. Um, so I think it's the defensive equivalent of that is where, where is the running back fitting? Who is he trying to get at? And then I'm going to try and get two people on him. Um, because even in that, I don't think that he can block. Now, obviously, you know, I live in Dallas, so I hear about uh, how, you know, we're overpaying Zeke Elliott because he's such a great pass blocker. Um, so, you know, if you have somebody like Zeke that can, that can block, then obviously you're going to have to start doing some, some other things. But I do think um, 
I do think if you, if you get that kind of a protection, where are they trying to, where, where's the gap and where are they putting the running back? And then that's where I'm going to try and put two guys because I want that running back to be wrong because I don't think he can block. Yeah. That's the name of the game is finding where the back goes and good offenses will hide them. They'll bring him across. You'll see at the college level, start him in the pistol and shift. But my answer is going to be reject the premise of your question, which is don't let them be in sort of protection. So if I'm playing a team and I'll do this even if I don't know where the back, or if I do know where the back is going to be, rather. I got tired of guessing because sometimes in high school, I've talked about this many times, but it's so bad it's good. If you're playing a team that's undisciplined and you're trying to get them to respond to you by getting in certain looks, I've had them block those exotic looks by ignoring just like double mug A gap blitzes where they don't, they wouldn't have picked up either guy. They just go block the edge. And it's like, Wait, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to honor one of those guys. And then my, my guy off the edge is supposed to come. What are you doing? Like, so sometimes it's so bad. It's good. But my favorite thing to do is to get in five down and I don't give a shit how you do it. Turn them into a man protection team. And then you can do whatever you want. Right now you want to come away from the back. Cause you want to make him go coast to coast. If you're attacking half side and you want to attack the half side, you want to go to the back. If you are in a five down, look, get them. And I, some people like the loaded fronts and stuff. Problem with the loaded fronts is they can still half slide you. They cannot half slide you, and people will say they do, but it's really hard to half slide those bear looks. And so get into a bear, get them, and now you're dictating to them. So if I start seeing a team, and that's what it came down to was like, I think it was around when it was it was one of the points in the school year where grades were coming. And I remember as a joke, I was like, you know. I don't have time to study these protections as much as I like. Let's just get in five O uh, looks and make them five O. And they were like, well, that, that's, that's a good idea. I was like, yeah, that is a good idea. <laughs> now I don't have to study them anymore. <laughs> like I can make them do what I want to do, which is that's what we ended up doing. And then we just took and ran with it. Um, you know, if you're a four, one team, then get double threes, put the mic over the center, put, yep. put your worst guy over the center. Cause the worst place to rush the passage from is head up on the center. Unless you have some crazy freak that can swim the center. And, and and I will say this, unless their center's really bad. Then if their center's bad, put your best guy there. So it's kind of like when these, if their center's decent, rushing from a zero sucks. But if their center sucks and you've got everybody else covered, you just got to win one on one, one on one rather. And that's the old Belichick thing. If their O-line sucks, rush five, because now you got to make all of them block. Don't let them out. Don't let them off the hook. Don't let the worst guy block air. Because you want to feel like a kick in the nuts as when you're watching their worst pass protector pass setting to nothing and you just let them off the hook. So um, that's my answer there. And then you can literally do whatever you want. You you find the worst lineman, you pick him, or not yep. necessarily the worst lineman, but you find the guy that's the worst at passing stunts off, which is not always the same thing. Some guys are really good in one-on-one protection but are terrible at passing off twists. And then you just plan from there. And there's, I, I could give you a million examples, but we don't have a night. Like, I don't know how to say that. <laughs> Sound like a jerk, but like, <laughs> that's basically what we're going to try and do. Thank you for that question. Let's move on. I'm excited to introduce Coach Vast Defense, a comprehensive out of the box defensive system with everything you need to coordinate a top tier defense coming in early 2025. The system is a one stop shop and comes with a complete, robust defensive scheme with tools to get into any structure, including even, odd, mint-tight, bare, stack, three-high, and more. It comes with an NFL-level playbook with run-fits and route matches, 
narrated install videos with a schedule for implementation, and a library of answers for every offense you will see, including the spread 11 personnel offense du jour, the air raid, the Bryles offense, option schemes including the flex bone, the wing tee, three back, and much more. It also comes with a drill and game film library, live in-season game planning sessions, templates to help you organize practice, opponent breakdown, and tools to make you a better play caller. Whether you're new to coordinating or a grizzled vet looking for new ideas, this system will have something for everyone. If you want to see all the details of the system, visit coachfastdefense.com and make sure to sign up for the mailing list to get updates and invitations to webinars to have your say in the system's creation so all of your coaching needs are met. Again, go to coachfastdefense.com, check out the details, and sign up for the mailing list. All right. What's your best answer, Cody? This is from Gideon Cavallo, defensive coordinator and outside linebackers coach at Brattleboro. Hope I said that right. Union High School in Vermont. Gideon's the man. Did you ever see the uh, wing T team that ran RPOs or a wing T team that ran RPOs? And what was your answer to that? Yeah, we I've in, we are in the I, I live in the wonderful world of uh, quarterbacks here in Texas. So uh, I've seen one wing T team as a traditional wing T team um, would not uh, be able to comment other than just conceptually about how would I go about it. Um, but no, I've, I've only seen one wing T team. Um, and, and that was, that's about it. We, I mean, we see, RPOs all the time, but in terms of a wing T team, I'll, I'll defer to you uh, with with that question. So we talked, actually talked about this last week, Gideon, and um, I know that you listened to because we talked about it on Sunday during the Patreon uh, game planning clinic. We played the Adam Mathias and stuff, so check that out. Uh, my answer last week, and just a, a note about the pod: there are show notes. Don't have to search; everything is timestamped. But I gave my answer last week in short order. Buck sweep. And and really to me is is it really wing T? I think if you're in 12 personnel, you're you got wing, but you don't have a T. You have a wing and one back. And so, you know, you can't fake trap off Buck unless it's the quarterback. And if that's what they're doing, I mean, that's a whole different game uh, ball game. So I think that uh you play your spread concepts until they are a true wing T team and they can do things like run gap schemes with a lead blocker and fake inside movements. Then you want to play your wing T defense and then try to cover down in the spread game. And then what do they do? Well, are they a team that runs buck sweep out of the gun? Then that's different than they're motioning the wing back and running all different sorts of stuff. So I think there you have to answer the question, who do you want to stop? And if it's the wing T game, play a wing T defense, do enough to align yourself to deny those RPOs. And I'll tell you this, the, the, some of the wing T RPO teams I've seen, most of them are pre-snap, and I don't know this to be 100%, and I'm not saying it is. It's probably not. I can almost assure you it's not. But a lot of those are pre-snap gifts, like, oh, they're not leveraged, so we're going to pull it and throw it. Right. You can't. I- I'm sorry. These wing T teams that tell you that they'll pull both guards and then read this shit, yeah, that's how you get hit in the face. <laughs> I dare you. I, I dare. And if they do do that, this is what I want you to do. I want you to lie up on an odd front. And I want you to slant your line, and I want you to bring your weak side backer. So I'm thinking 12 personnel tight end wing, right? So I want you to blitz your weak side backer in the weak A gap where the guard vacates from right at the quarterback's face. And that'll be the end of that play because he won't be able to see shit because you're going to be flying in his face. And if you just line somebody out there enough for pre-snap, he's like, hey, I'm out of it. Uh, You should be good. 
because I, I watched a team that tried to, I was just doing the tight front course, put the finishing touches. And there was some team that was trying to run buck sweep RPOs really, but like true, like not, not pin pull where they're trying to reach play side, like total gap blocking. I think it was Bama. They just ran like it was, it was a Randa's uh, or like we called it Stafford. And the, the nose slanted to the front side, a, the four eye grabbed the shit out of the tackle and the guard pulled and that biker hit the a gap at full speed. And, uh, he stopped the counter and the RPO and anything else that would have happened with that call. So I'm sorry. I just don't think, I don't think you can pull guards and fake traps and shit and throw RPOs effectively. It's just, what are you, you going to do if the guy's throwing an RPO? Right. So, so let's, let's take, let's take a step back. If, if you're telling me, okay, they don't really run the wing T. They run wing T plays, but like Buck Sweep isn't the wing T, right? The thing that makes the problem, the thing that makes Buck, Buck Sweep problematic is they fake the trap off of it. So it right. holds your backer and all that stuff. Um, so if they're not, if, if they're not doing that, then you're, you're not really defending the wing T. If they're using the quarterback as the trap guy, okay, well, what is he going to do? Run forward and then throw an RPO? You know what I mean? So like, right. at some point, either the RPO term is being used very loosely or the wing T part of it is being used uh, very loosely. Find out which one they're not really doing and start there. There you go. All right. I'll take this one first. Cause it's up my alley. I think this is another one where, you know, you lived in an area where the football was dragged to the 21st century <laughs> and didn't really have to see this, but this question's from Jared Brown. Oh, Northern California shocker. Annalee high school. In Sebastopol, which is up in Marin County, a beautiful part of the country. Uh, he's the linebackers coach in D.C., and he's playing the split-back Veer Bone team this week. Next week, there are three, four structure, but play two read and some bastardized ripple stuff as the base. What sort of stuff do you like uh, to do in, pr in practice to train players to play their keys and do their job? Old-school dive, quarterback, pitch roll. So the first thing I would tell you is, and I know you didn't really ask for well, you're kind of asking about scheme and practice all in the same. I would say figure out what play they're they're best at. Are they are they running outside veer? How good are they at blocking in the bone? Because the thing about split back veer is, and that's why all the teams that want to run off tackle with the split veer is they have to run counter because their guards or their backs can't kick out because they're two tailbacks that are meant to be dive guys. So there's very rare to find a guy who's a really great split back tailback and also going to go pry a hole open on power. So you have to ask yourself, you know, do, can those guys block? But I would practice, uh, and Jared, I, I know you know this stuff. Look at some of the blue pitch stuff where you walk up your nine technique. We've talked about people call it again to uh, the Harold's point or from earlier from our friend from Germany, um, a, a term that if you didn't follow me, you wouldn't know what the hell I'm talking about. But basically, you're playing an under front traditional Sam linebacker in a nine technique. And if the tight end blocks down, you come across the line of scrimmage and you go tackle the outside veer um, and play that structurally uh, to play it that way. Structurally rather to practice. And this is going to sound cliche, but don't use a ball. The first day, don't snap a ball, snap a Jersey. And if you want to use a ball, use a tennis ball. So everybody's playing their responsibilities and, and start there and then add the ball as the week goes on. We never, ever, ever used the ball on the first day of triple option teams unless we were doing like we would do a 10 minute period where even if they didn't throw the ball a lot, we would still review. They had to th they had to do some they had to throw at some point. So we would go over their routes. We may use a ball, but unless they're all play actions off of option, but don't use a ball. And then um, 
one thing, the hardest thing about coaching the, the split veer stuff is I got this from the old uh, Bill Mountjoy stuff, uh, legend in the, the Tidewater, Virginia area. And his whole thing was the dive guy would have the dive, but usually you're reading off of a key, right? So if the tackle blocks out, the dive guy can't play the dive because they're running the dive inside. But basically, the dive guy is the dive guy. If you're not a dive player, you have the asterisk common sense rule attached to every responsibility. So I'm the inside half of the quarterback, asterisk common sense rule. What does that mean? I have the inside half of the quarterback or the first man that shows with the ball. That's the common sense rule. So that is the art of coaching against triple option football, especially when it's hitting downhill um, and it can be run with power. Where not everything's on the perimeter, like the flex bone, unless you're getting midline, is I have my responsibility, but I can't just run by a guy with the ball. So you start early in the week, you brainwash them into their responsibilities, then you introduce the ball so they can get that common quote unquote common sense part of it, if that makes sense. And that's really the art of coaching that stuff. Cause there's nothing worse, you know, there's nothing worse than the pitch guy taking the quarterback. And then no one on the pitch, but I can tell you what's worse is having the quarterback player run by the guy with the dive who's running past him. So that's the right. fine line you have to walk. And that's how we would teach that. I hope that's some help to you. All right. Since I answered these last two, you're going first. Um, uh, here you go. This is from Nick D. Taranto, uh, Toronto, Taranto. I hope I get this right. I'm so bad, so bad at pronouncing stuff. From Justice High School in Falls Church, Virginia. His question is, what's your call sheet look like on Friday night? I find that I spend an inordinate amount of time preparing my call sheet only to hardly look at it once the game starts. Welcome to the club, by the way. Yeah. I include fronts, pressures, and coverages we like that week, down and distance tendencies, formation tendencies, and a two-deep depth chart. What do you like for your call sheet? Yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll just go, you know, I worked under Phil Bennett. Phil Bennett worked for Dave Wonstadt. Um and I'll, I never forget the story that he told me uh, when he got hired by Dave Wanstead, they go to Miami um, on, on, over the break and, and they went with Jimmy Johnson out on his boat and they're out on the boat and they're talking about it. And, uh, and so they're kind of talking about it. And, and one thing that Jimmy Johnson told, told Bennett was if you're looking at your call sheet during the game, then you don't really know what you're doing. Like you, you really haven't done the game, the justice, in the game plan and have it done. And, and I, that's always stuck with me. I think it is important to make a call sheet because it puts it down. You sit down and you go through it and you put down, Hey, I like this. I like this. I like this, but I usually did it at the kind of on Sunday before, you know, we're practice planning for, for Monday, what's Monday going to look like Tuesday going to look like. And so you kind of have that list of things. These are what I like. This is when I want to do it. This is how we're going to practice it because normally you have a weekly routine once you get in, once you get into the season. And so then what you do from there is the throughout the week, you should be taking calls off of your call sheet. Hey, I don't really like that look here. Or, Hey, you know, the more film I watch this, this was going to be an early down call. I don't really like that, that, you know, they're, they're more, they're trending like, like for instance, you know, they're trending more zone scheme. We need to have these pressures in here. Um, they're really trying to, you know, this kid got hurt. They're targeting this kid. So our cover structure needs to change a little bit more. Um, so to me, I really felt like if you, if you do that and you constantly looking at it, then you're second guessing yourself. And I think as a defensive coach, we're already behind the eight ball anyway. 
um, you know, we're a bunch of analytic nerds trying to figure out like, you know, this percentage of run here, this percentage of pass here. When at the end of the day, it's just kind of like, you're trying to stop their five main runs and they're in, what are the five main pass concepts and how what's what's the best structure that we can do and then matchups. So to me, it's like build it, spend the time. You're doing okay spending the time. Now don't spend an inordinate amount of time doing it, but you already know what your defense is. So it shouldn't necessarily look different every week. Um, but do it and then practice plan and then take away. So that way before the game, yeah, you can look at it and be, okay, I like this kind of go through the game in your head, um, before you call it. Uh, and that's kind of, that's how I do it. And, and just to, and speak of the format of it, that, you know, I've always kind of been searching for the, how to do it. I always like to have things separated by personnel and then down a distance at the top. Um, have notes, of just percentages and notes for each kind of way through it, then have notes for, hey, this is our third down package. This is what they like on third, third and short, third medium, third and long, you know, fourth down, red zone, two minute, you know, the normal stuff that you would normally have on there. So, like, I, I agree with you. It's not necessarily for you. If you want somebody to have it, I'd give it to the guy in the box and just be like, hey, you know, that way you can communicate with them. Um, but I'd be, you know, spend the time early, cross off what you what you need to. You shouldn't be adding anything. And then you should know the game plan by Friday to where you don't have to look at it. That That's just my opinion on it. I mostly agree with you there. And as a Kane grad where Jimmy Johnson is the God, far be it for me to disagree with him so much. But I'll say this. Jimmy had a very, 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 very simple defense. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> you know, and he coached in a time where relevant. it was ISO right or ISO left. But. I will say you you create the call sheet, and this is something I always went through too, was I'd spend six hours putting together a call sheet and then be like, hey, I didn't even look at this during the game. Now, I looked at our call sheet more than the average person only because we used a wristband system, and I would tinker with the numbers and some things, and I wouldn't always – I'm bad at memorizing things, as I've told you, so I would look down, but I knew I knew what I wanted, but I'd need to be like, all right, you know, this is the concept, but what was that number again? But I don't really consider that the same thing as what you're saying. Yeah. But it's the same reason why you take notes out of a textbook when you're learning. If that's how you learn. I do. I learn through my hands. It doesn't matter if Microsoft Visio and Huddle had a baby with God himself and they had the magic hit chart of hit charts. I would still do one by hand because that's how I learn and that's how I come up with the plan is drawing through that. So the same thing with the hit chart or the same thing with the call sheet rather. Um, now I started doing some of the percentages stuff off of the call sheet because to type all that stuff into the call sheet was a pain in the ass, but I would still scribble that down on a piece of notebook paper or legal pad. And then I would laminate that, but that was only to save time. I was still writing it out and it's always good to have a reference, especially between series. I think if you're looking at your calls like, Oh shit, it's second and two. What should I call? But I think it's good to have reminders. And also on mine, I put reminders. I put reminders for me, but for the kids. And like Cody said, give it to your box guy. Uh, there was one year that I noticed that um, we were always a move STEM team, always. And I noticed that after outside the first couple series, um, kind of like offensive go coaches, uh, stop remembering to shift in motion <laughs> after a couple series. You know those guys I'm talking about. I would forget to stem and move 
um, we had a young group and I was always having to like fix shit in between series and my mind was on making sure they were lined up right and everything. So I'd be like, remind me, remind me. Um, and then I think it's always good to have those weird scenarios like two point plays. Like I, I, I often would game plan a two point play if we had enough of a, um, a sample size and I, I wouldn't remember it. So I'd have to look there were those, those, you know, two minutes, stuff like that. Like, okay, you know, where are the outs or in like, what, what, when do they like to run the ball in two minutes? Like, is there a down and distance where they'll just say, screw it. We're going to run a draw. Is it the first play of the series? Is it on second and short when they know they're going to, they're probably going to get the first down. They're expecting us to pass rush. They can hit us on the draw, at least get a couple yards, get the clock stopped to move the chains, etc. Stuff like that. But you, you should, uh, you should look at, in my opinion, you should use the call sheet as a learning experience. And as I said, just as if you're taking notes out of a textbook, do you need to write down what a what textbook says? No, it's right there. But why do you do it? Because you learn through your hands. Right. Okay. We got a couple more questions and then I'm going to cut you loose, my friend. So here's one. This is from my old pal, William Garrow, defensive line coach at Tumwater High School in Olympia, Washington. He's, I think he... I think he sent questions on the first ever one of these. So he's still, he's still out here at W Garrow on Twitter. Um, his, his question is what are your favorite methods to defend bunch trips, both tight to the off tackle and split out wide by the numbers, but still bunched. How many options are you asking your high school secondary to be able to play in a game versus bunch? Thanks fast. So uh, again, I hate to do this, but I know you're a loyal pod listener. We went through all the bunch stuff last week. Check that out for tight bunches. Uh, it depends on who's in the bunch. If it's a bunch of receivers, we usually put our biggest defensive lineman or our biggest DN to the bunch, have them line up in between two and three and walk them backwards. Now, if the bunch is wider, you have to ask, why is it wide? What are they trying to do? And how wide is it? Because I think there's really four bunch locations. There's the one where it's like right there, like literally the the nearest guy in the bunch to the quarterback, it would be a wing right off the off the tackle right there's the kind of nasty we call that nasty bunch kind of bunch where it's like a few yards wider there's a normal bunch that's maybe like if it's on the hash it's on the 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 far hash and then there's the one that's like hey we're just trying to clear you the hell out right and then you just i i'd be man short on that sometimes because i'm like you're not you're not throwing yeah, out there by the time the ball gets out there, we may intercept it because it's so far away. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think, I think you have to really look at what they're doing. Uh, I wouldn't have more than two ways to play the bunch in, in high school, depending on what you felt was the best way to do it. Uh, and what they, based on what they were trying to do. So, you know, and, and I, I don't know your defensive scheme. So the first question you have to ask is why are they getting into the bunch? You know, you see this a lot if you're running tight front because there's no edge to the other side away from the jack. So they'll put the tight end in to get the jack to the tight end. And then they'll put the bunch away because you have a nickel and they can run at you. But if you're seeing if you're a four down team and you have a badass end of the field, you're not going to get that shit. Just not. So um, I don't know in the list of winning business models for offensive coordinators. I don't know if receivers blocking big ass DNs is. Yeah, well, I don't know what page that's on, but I haven't read that page if it is. Uh, and then if it's wider, you know, are they, are they, are you a man team? So are they running man beaters? Then I would do the opposite. I mean, I, that's where I don't really know how to completely answer that because I don't know, are they trying to run? Or are they trying to suck you out of there to run off tackle? You know, if they're trying to get you to widen out, then bring pressure off the edge and make them throw it all the way out there. 
Uh, if they're trying to suck you inside to pin you to get outside, well, then you need to have good leverage. I mean, that's kind of just figure out what they're trying to do. And I know this is going to sound so simple and yeah, like, yeah, no shit, but what are they trying to do and make them do the opposite? Um, now, if you want a more in-depth answer on what I would do to the type bunch, check out last week's pod. I don't want to repeat it, uh, but just check the show notes and you can see that. All right, Cody, what do you got? Yeah, so what what we did, um, and again, we didn't see a lot of bunch because it, it would almost turn into almost like a five man pressure. What I would do is I would just take the I would just take the nickel uh, or the spam, and we just basically were like, look, I just want you to go run through and go ear hold the number two guy because if if they re- release for a pass, that tackle is not setting out to you. There's no one to block you. They they're probably not the you know. They're not the running back is not he's going to think that you're pressing a receiver and then the next thing you know the quarterback you know the quarterback is right there because if you run bunch the only quick throws out of bunch are either you throw into the the single receiver on a quick slant or a, a quick fade or something because you feel like you got full coverage or you're throwing some sort of screen uh, especially in a tight bunch so what we we essentially played box would be the easiest way of doing it um, we would play box where we could roll the backside safety and we would almost like a three cloud if we could handle it. Um, and if we felt like they were, they were trying to, you know, get some five step, you know, long, prolonged it, we just blitz the, we just blitz the same and then replacing the coverage with, with the mic and just kind of play the box with the corner. Um, that's an easy way of doing it. Otherwise what we would do is again, play, play. Uh, and that would just be like, if we wanted to, we, we'd call that, we would call that roll. Uh, and if we felt like we could get through the blitz or the, the, they were, they were doing it to run so that we could have an immediate edge pressure. If we just wanted to play coverage out of it, then we would just play regular box that everybody kind of, kind of knows corners, the outside safety's the inside your Sam. I, you know, we would, I would tell the Sam to slough off. I want him to have a presence on the outside, probably get on top of number three. Cause normally they're not going to, I mean, on top of number one, normally what they're not going to do is run number one all the way to the sideline. And he's your flat, just here's your flat player. Usually it's, it's going to be from number three. I mean, it, most offenses, 90% of them, the guy that's going flat is going to be the number three guy. And so you kind of slough off, just kind of be a presence there in case they do want to run or they do want to throw some sort of a screen and then work through it and play box. like, so I think, I think it bunch you over, you overthink it sometimes. Like, you know, what are, it's not seven on seven. So you're probably not going to get, you know, three verticals out of a bunch like you see in seven off seven. Most teams don't have enough time for protection. If they are, then like I said, we're going to blitz it. So you're not going to have time for that. Um, I think the most important question to ask in bunch is what are you doing with the backside safety? Like, because I think that's where you get these crossing routes out of bunch. And then they it kind of opens up through the seam and they can kind of manipulate that safety that's inside. If you're playing box, okay, we can move him um, over if you're trying to, get a double on the X receiver or what I like to do is be, especially against tight bunch, they've made it easier for us to cover everybody. So I kind of tell that backside safety, like you're just going to rail it on the hash and, and rail it for me. All that means is like you're a train like And I, and this is how I explain to the kids trains are on tracks. They can't go anywhere other than the track. So like if that, you know, you're on your rail and you're just going to sit there and you're going to go because at the end of the day, we can say that the guys can make a play on that, but like, unless you've got some freakish kid, that's a D one kid and he can just do whatever he wants. Most of the time your safety is not going to play the fade route unless you're, you're purposely playing a double coverage on that. So what I tell them is you just back up on the hash and you're the trash man. 
and that allows that front side safety to stay high. Any kind of crossing route, you can cut it with the backside safety, and now you've kind of flooded the numbers. Now you've gained back the mass advantage to the bunch. And so that's kind of how I've kind of always done it. It's a very fluid box concept. And then do we need a backside safety um, if it's a fullback? Because that was one of the things that we talked about pre-store. Like it, if, if, you have a, if you have an H-back or a fullback or a tight end that's kind of off, and it, now it's really just kind of a two-back bunch. Now I'm, I'm usually using a backside safety to track that. If it's coming back and it splits on or hammering down on it, because then it's just going to be a two-man concept, and we can play, we can play that out. Um, a wide bunch, like you said, we're going to be a man short, uh, just because if you go really wide, we're going to play what we call cold because cloud is our two, is our two recoverage. So we're going to play cold, which means we're just going to basically play like triangle coverage over it. Um, and then if you, like you said, if you throw the bubble out there or the switch screen or whatever, you're gonna, I, I have always felt that your, your sand linebacker has a, a really good angle to either tip the ball, intercept it, or to really compress it. It's really hard for them to block that guy. Um, and so that's kind of how we would play it. I mean, no different than probably than what you were saying. Just, I think the, like you said, have a couple of things, but my more importantly asking, what am I going to do with the backside safety? Um, and how does that relieve pressure on the front side? Yeah. Versus the bunches. I figured I'd add this. If you're looking at a bunch that's, that's tighter than normal, but not the real nasty bunch. We, and it also depends on the personnel, you know, right. We would play in practice when I was at Clovis, you know, rich would get in a 12 personnel and the bunch would be right next to the tackle. So we're going to defend that differently than if it's three receivers. And even if it's three yards wider, you know, uh, our favorite, I don't know, shocker, but our favorite um, bunch adjustment was Saban's bingo, which is if one behind two, it played like box. And if one stayed one, then it, it kind of played like a cloud concept. Right. And that's how I, I teach that. And I just, we just call it bunch, but you're exactly right. Like all I did is I didn't even give them a choice. I, we just called it bunch and we just read number one and we played it like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's, it plays out the same way. And so, Right. Um, but the, the thing that you have to look at, you know, you, you know, Cody mentioned that three is usually going out. And if you're playing your standard offense, that's going to happen. But then you get those guys that they know. And coach Hammond was really, really good at this at Clovis where, you know, he'd send a guy out to the flat and then bring him back in. And so we would overplay and they just wore us out. So knowing what they're trying to do, but I mean, the thing with the bunch stuff is, it makes the horizontal game obviously harder, but it's hard to run verticals out of that. So make sure your coverage adjusts, you know, from, from just a global perspective, make sure you're good at um, being able to play across rather than worrying about playing deep. And cause that's what a lot of the bunch stuff is, is they try to get your corner white way off. And we used to play TCU's roll coverage, which was basically three deep to that stuff and put a guy outside the bunch. And they'd always sneak these curls underneath us. So having a way to be aggressive, even in zone coverage with a cover two concept where you protect it over the top, but guys can play intermediate routes quicker is uh, really important. All right. So last question from Jordan Silveria. He's got, he's got two 
One is very complicated and is an NFL question. So uh, Jordan, I'll answer that on a on a YouTube at some other point, or we'll we'll, we'll maybe next week or something. But I'm going to take this part of it, and it is: um, Can you explain how to coach and teach gap and a half principles to athletes from as early as the high school level and up? Where both Cody and you have coached, the discipline is incredibly important to fitting in the run in a lighter box, conceding a plus one advantage. As such, how do you extract the most out of these? Uh, he says odd fronts looks, but you don't have to be an odd front to do this. So right. let me talk about this. I know that everybody thinks Brandon Staley invented this last year, but or two years ago. This has been around forever. Pete Jenkins has taught this. I don't I don't know what the original technique was called, but he's been teaching this forever. And all it is is it's a way to knock the ball out if you're in split safety. And they don't even do it. It doesn't even have to be in split safety anymore. Basically, what you're trying to do is you're trying to make the ball go laterally. And all you're doing is you're striking, you're extending, and then most of them arm over into the inside gap. Now, for us, this was harder to do because we were very much the old school. You mentioned him earlier, Jimmy Johnson, up the field, six-inch power step sort of deal, where we were going feet first. So it was hard where the Jenkins guys are hips first, they can they can they can lock out easier. But you have to be strong to be able to do that. To be able to bench press an O-lineman off of you, use his momentum, arm over or whatever to get into an inside gap, it's hard. Now, I think it's overstated mostly for the safeties and backers because they're taught from day one like safeties learn gaps usually much later. Like you're going to fit the right. ball outside in and you're going to find the, the first open hole especially in our defense where the, they didn't even know the front, like the front and the coverage were separate. And when I mean, they were separate, they were separate. They, the back end didn't know what the front was. They'd say, you have the open gap. Well, if it starts as a B gap and we train them, if that D end thinks he can make a play and can jump inside, or we have some sort of check on the front where you're playing an option team and they oversplit you. So we're going to sp- stunt the end inside. Our safeties didn't know that. So they would see the open B gap and then color would show across their face. So they knew, all right, I got the next outside gap. So I think that part of it is overstated about how hard it is to coordinate because that's how that's how most guys yeah. I know the coach safeties they're not telling them you have the A gap. You first of all, if your safety has to play the A gap, you're usually really screwed. Now, I know Staley did this out of his penny stuff, but that's because he had Aaron Donald sitting in front of him and he was going to do exactly. the gap and a half, uh, and the ball was going to go to the B gap. So you're finding the first open gap. You're playing the ball on your inside yeah. shoulder, and you're going to show up and make a play. That's how they're learning. So I think that stuff gets, I think that gets that stuff gets overstated on how difficult it is. I don't know what your thoughts on that are. Yeah, I would just say go watch the Green Bay Packer game versus uh, the Rams the previous year, um, the non Super Bowl year, the previous year uh, in 2020 when when Aaron Donald was hurt, and go watch those safeties try and fill a gaps on on the Packers. That's a that's a good study on what it looks like to not be able to have a, a Aaron Donald on in in that scheme. Um, I think at the high school level if you're going to teach it, or if you're like, Hey, we don't have, we have smaller athletic linemen, but we can't just physically sit there and, and, you know, shock shed these guys for gap and half. I think what you can do is do block react, you know, and I've talked about the heavy technique forever from a five technique. You know, I get a base block, I'm ripping inside. I get a down block, you know, I'm knifing down, you know, I'm knifing down hard into the B gap. I'm going to close the B gap no matter what, 
you know, to me, it's the same concept. You're just doing it. Uh, you're doing it to where you're not, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to control the line of scrimmage. I think inside too, teaching your, teaching your G technique, like if you're going to play a four down and you're teaching your G technique to read the center, the center's away. I, you know, I rhyme it, right. If the center's away, I close the A, right. So I'm working across, I, I've got this A gap, but if the center goes away, I'm closing that other A gap, which means I'm going to be, I'm playing gap and a half. Cause I'm going to end up canceling that all out. Yeah. You basically play two gaps. Honestly. I mean. Right. <laughs> exactly. And then if you do it, if you do it correctly, and I've always said, like, if you do it correctly from a G front, that's why I love a G front is in, cause you can play these fluid fronts from it. Is that if you have the, if the nose does a good job, close the A, right? He, let's say they're zoning away, they're zoning to the three side. If he closes the A, well, you've got a heavy five technique that's been taught too. to, if I get a down block, I'm, I'm, I'm going heel line right now. So now I've canceled the A and the B. I've canceled both A's, canceled the B. Now I've got a Mike who can go rock fall all the way back to the C gap. And I've got another linebacker who's also a defender out there too. So I think, you know, at the high school level, you got to be able to find, or even at the small college level, you, you've got to be able to find a way. How can I cancel gaps? You know, and like you were saying, even in, I mean, the Staley system, I mean, like you were saying, like with, with Aaron Donald, like that, that's a cover three system. That's a, that's a single high system. Yeah, they do play quarters and they do play too high, but it, it's, it's predominantly a, a middle of the field close system. So they're still playing gap and half in it because the way the structured, like you said, yeah, that Sam line or that, that safety is in charge of the A gap conceptually, but really, in, or like technically, but conceptually he's going to end up you know, it's going to bounce because of the way that you're playing the front. Uh, and like, and, and I look, I've coached DBs my entire life. I mean, and I've played DB my entire life. I've never, you know, as a safety that you're teaching, Hey, this is the A gap. This is the B gap. When we're sitting there, it's more like you said, it's conceptual. It's, hey, you're outside in or you're capping the fit. You're coming from down. I call it fit support. You're correcting the guy in front of you. If the guy in front of you gets tucked inside, you fit outside. If the guy in front of you gets blocked out, you, 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 you fit inside. Um, and so I think when, when you look at the gap and the half stuff, I think, like you said, it gets overplayed because, you know, kind of, we see these five man fronts now and everybody's trying to do this and, and how the NFL works. And, 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 you know, now, now we're seeing these guards try and play inside peak inside and then rip back outside or vice versa and try and just block the ball carrier. Um, but at the, at the lower levels, you can teach, you know, block react, to where it's not going to be necessarily a, uh, Hey, I've got to hold it. And then I've got to be able to get off this block or it's more quicker. Um, and so just kind of the way that you structure defense has to be a little bit different. Um, your linebackers can't be as patient. They can't sit, sit, sit. And then, Oh, okay. That guy finally moved. Now I'm going to go. Um, but I, to me, teach block react, teach kind of a fluid front mechanics where look, if I'm getting down blocked and everybody's going away, I'm just going to close as many gaps as I can. I'm not going to try and hold it. Um, I think you got to be a little bit different in that way to teach it at lower levels. Yeah. And some of it you do because of the structure of the defense where you need it, like those penny fronts where, you know, I'll never forget this. I talked to Robert Mason, the athletic, he was interviewing Staley and he was like, Hey, can we go over some stuff? Like, yeah, sure. So, we get, I think I've told this on the podcast before, but we, so we get on a zoom and the first snap is I think they're playing in Seattle and Seattle's aligned in a 10 personnel look three by one. And it's five, zero yeah. box, the five, zero box. <laughs> yeah. The mic has walked out splitting three in the end man. And there's nobody in the box. And I just started laughing and he's like, what's like, he, he didn't, he's like, what, why, what's funny? Like, what, what, what do you find funny about this? I said, if I, if I came to practice 
I was like, listen, I had a long leash at Sarah, but if I came to practice and I lined up like this, Patrick might fire me. Like, that might be it for me. I might be on the unemployment line. I was like, and then I explained to him about the A gap is open and the guy that's playing it is 10 yards deep. And then I'm like, but this is, and then I, he presses play and I watched Donald and I went, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I know Donald's yeah. not great versus the run, like on a double team, but the way that they're, well, right. some people say that I, I didn't say that. <laughs> Let me take that back. I didn't say that. But right. when he's got a, a base block and he's guaranteed a single because of the alignment in the front and he can just pop his feet and use his speed and get inside. And it's a one year gain. And I just, then I was laughing even harder, but you know, but then some of it is it, it, it's necessary to do that shit. If you want to line up in a five zero box, you have to do it. But some of it is like in the tie front, you know, if you're a four eye and I'm to the back and I'm getting down blocked, it is really easy to fight pressure, fight pressure, fight pressure. And even if you just let go, and take a step back, that tackle is going to go flying. Like, just like if you lean on anybody and they put all your weight on you and you just move out of the way, they're going to fall over. Right. And then that's how they teach gap and F. I'm playing the four. Cause it's basically, it's, it's that easy. You know what I mean? Like I'm getting down, you use their momentum against them. Do you need the guy? No, but you might as well. Now, some of it obviously is harder. Like if you're getting doubled, it's real hard to play gap and half, but it's usually on the places where you can play single. But if you ever listen to coach Henny at the Rams talk, they they power they call power scoop and I think that's what um oh god I think that's what um helped me out here Pete Jenkins I was just saying his name yeah yes that's okay. what they call I was, it I thought that's who you're gonna <laughs> yeah I was like why I've had headache I was like why can't I remember this I literally just said his name but they they he said power scoot every fucking thing was what he said quote unquote bleep that uh but yeah, like he, I mean, they, they, they do it all the time because their backers are taught even in their one high stuff. And if you've ever seen a Brandon Staley presentation, the first slide at the bottom says, we want to play everything and one high, like split safety. And then when they pull up the split safety thing, I want to play everything with split safety, like one high, because it confuses the quarterback, meaning they're going to lever spill, lever fit everything. And so those backers are going to stack track fallback versus everything, whether it's one high even front, two high quarters front, because if they're playing quarter, quarter, half, they teach their run fits the same way. Now, one, they have a gap. There's an there's a definite open gap, so they have to play it a little differently, but they conceptually teach their run fits the same as whether it's cover three or it's tight because they play tight as well. Tight quarter, quarter. Or even in their base, their base quarter, quarter, half shit. Base wheel six is what they call it. They play it the same way. If you're away from the back, you're in the fit. If you're to the back, you're out of the fit. And then it just depends on if it's a safety or the corner based on the support. Again, going back for those questions earlier, cloud. Or uh, they'll call it read support or whatever, but they don't even, they never even say that. They just go corner safety. And that's it. So that's how they keep everything the same. And that's how they're able to get linebackers off the street. Cause that's about, that's really what it is about the NFL is attrition. You got to sign a guy on Monday. Nick Saban's got kids for even the best ones. He gets them for three years and they graduate right. early. So they're even there even longer. Um, but graduated from high school rather, but, um, yeah, you know, these guys, they got to show up on Monday and then maybe play on Sunday and for real. And so they try to keep everything the same and, and it, it plays out the same. So, they may line up, and, and this is kind of, this was actually Jordan's question, and so I'll tie in his second part of his question, which is in an odd front, too high, middle of the field, open world, 
how viable it is to run an even front middle of the closed primary system. It is at the NFL level completely viable because now it's just a matter of division of labor or not division of labor so much as who can do what? Can you get a guy that can play a four and a five? The answer for the Rams was no. So they subbed. And that's one of my biggest critiques of that system is the problem with Staley was when he was at the Rams, if you got two, four personnel, it was even fronts. If you got three, three personnel, it was penny. And if you got, when they lined up in their tight front stuff, I think the tight front stuff was the same as penny. Yeah. No, 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 sorry. It was the same as the two, four group, but one, it was, it was like, uh, one of the guys was different. So if you looked at it on paper, it would be three, three, but they were different. It was two different variations of the three, three was their tight four stuff. So you knew what structure you were getting by how they were in the game. That's why Georgia is so dangerous. Cause back, like, and I've said this, my favorite defense of all times, probably 2017 Georgia, because they can play base three, four. They played what they called penny, which was base with a nickel, like a 240 pound nickel. So they could play everything but stubby out of their base, out of their mint and out of their nickel stuff with the same dude in there. And they'd play ripples with them too. It was insane. So that was one of the things about the Fangio Staley stuff is, you know, it's coming. Well, I do think just, just to, to kind of finish up on, on that. I do think the, the, the meshing of odd and even spacing where you're, you're essentially, yeah, we're going to, sometimes we're going to single gap it, but even then playing that G front where that I have always talked about of where it's really just kind of a fluid front. We're going to cancel gaps regardless. Yes. It's an even front. Everybody's got a gap, but having those linebackers really like in an odd front, you're an A to C player, right? You're A to C your fallback. You're just kind of, you're kind of tracking things, whatever you're tracking. Right. And so I think that, like you said, with the NFL and even at the college level and at the high school level, as we get less and less time, I think you're going to see more and more of those concepts be used and i do think at the nfl level it's more viable because those interior guys can handle the offensive linemen i don't think it's necessarily it's really hard to do the pete jenkins stuff if you don't if you if your nose is is you know a 225 25 pound kid that is going up against a 300 pound line because i've been in that situation too where it's like that kid cannot sit there and physically play gap and a half so we're better to just penetrate the gap and see if we can't beat them with quickness. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think at the, at the college and from what I've seen, and you've probably seen the same thing is more or less the linebackers anymore are now playing ball fit. And then you're seeing it's what they're doing inside, whether it's a stunt or uh, they're playing gap and a half, or they're actually, you know, shooting the gap. That's kind of where you're seeing um, the difference and then the change ups, but then everything, you know, the linebackers are just kind of playing, you know, that A to C, you know, track and the, and basically ball sitting off the running back. Funny enough, most teams in the NFL are playing like that, but the bills were regarded as, weren't they regarded as one of the best defenses last year? I don't even think it was regarded. They were statistically one of the best defenses yeah. last year, right? They're a downhill, like, Oh, it's run. We're going to find you. We're coming. Now they usually do it out of one high They They fit much harder. Um, and then when they're in split safety, they play some track stuff, but they're still even more aggressive. And I remember seeing something where people were like surprised by this. I'm like, that's how everybody played defense for 30 years. So it's kind of funny to watch these yeah. young guys come up now that that's what they know. And that's like how they're trained. And they see stuff like basic linebacker play that we, you and I have seen forever. 
And they're like, wow, what are they doing? And my head explodes. I'm like, what do you mean? What are they doing? They're doing, you know, but then I have to remember like, well, this is what, you know. Yeah. They probably watched the pit game tonight and we're like, what is going on here? (laughs) Why are they so aggressive to fitting everything? It's like, well, it's a single gap four down. It has been around forever. Yeah. You know, Narduzzi's the legend of it. I mean, (laughs) You know, I mean, him and Gary Patterson are the, the two big, you know, and then obviously Jimmy Johnson are like the three people you think of when you talk about four, you know, four, two, five quarters, like there it is. It's those people, you know, obviously Jimmy Johnson was four, three quarters, but it was a different era, but you know, that's, yeah, I'm downhill to the run where now you see everybody kind of passive run ball fit. And it's like, no man, you can watch it. And you're like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is insane. If you're so used to watching those, those, you know, the ball fit, be real patient. And then you're just seeing these guys just literally fly the ball. So <laughs> I think part of the reason the NFL does the stack and track stuff as well is that a lot of D linemen, with, especially with these wide zone teams, like you watch the Rams run wide zone, their tackles can reach six techniques like it's nothing. And so they have to account for that, even though, like, I can't tell you how many times I've watched NFL film. I was watching earlier today. I mean, I I tweeted about it and I'm watching three techniques get reached. Like it's nothing. And so what's happened is these O linemen have gotten so good at these wide schemes that they bake the make them right into the scheme. So like Schwartz, I remember that, that story that Hainsworth told at the, uh, or Schwartz told about Hainsworth at the cool clinic where he said, you know, Ainsworth was a three and he would get reached every play. So we just played him in a three technique and then had him get up the field and let the backer run over the top. And I remember seeing this like 10 years ago and being like, holy shit, that's crazy. And then literally that's how every defense is taught now. Yeah. I would say I'm going to go out on a very unscientific limb here. I'm going to say total hot take. If you're watching a really good wide zone team, let me say really good. Take the really part off. A, a good wide zone team, they're reaching, they're reaching the lineman and the gap they're supposed to be in 50-50. Yeah, and so they just build that because in the NFL, the backs are so explosive. And I think that's why some of the teams have gotten out of it. And especially because like TCU was a run downhill. But the thing with TCU is their D linemen were in the gap, which it, very few teams do, like nose in the gap get upfield, you can't play Pete Jenkins line technique because you're going to get reached because you have to be really thick on people. You have to be like Jonathan Allen in his prime in college to, to be able to do that shit, to play that heavy and not get reached. Because as soon as you get reached and that linebacker flies through the gap, it's a touchdown. Yeah. So that's the other thing is you're having to basically bake into your defense. Hey, those guys are going to screw up. So, 50% of the time, we're going to have to account for that or get killed, which, you know, <laughs> and like the bills I mentioned, all their four down are first round picks. So that's where, yeah, that that's also, the other, yes, that's that also the other lets those backers run through. Right. And now they got Vaughn right. Miller. So anyway, all right, before we turn this into NFL today or NFL live, uh, I'm going to call it here. Uh, Cody, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate always chatting with you. Best of luck on your new slash old venture. I know Match Quarters has been around, but this new chapter of your life, um, as a fellow guy that's not coaching anymore, um, you know, I'm rooting for you. And I'm excited to see what you put out this year. And uh, we'll have to get together during the season sometime. 
Definitely, man. I appreciate it. Um, and like, you know, I, I just, I, the community, the football community is amazing. Football is constantly changing with a proliferation of, of content and just information. And so I'm, you know, it's always fun to see the other ecosystems around the country and what's going on. So doing the questions like this and having to think through things, it's always, always a good time. Thank you again to Cody Alexander for coming on the show. Come join me today on playback at coachfastfootball.com slash playback. Check out the tight front bundle bit.ly slash tight front vast. Also, don't forget to check out underdog fantasy. Use the code vast to sign up. They'll match your deposit up to $100 minimum $10 buy-in gets you a coach two course for free on game planning, opponent breakdowns, practice planning, and creating your call sheet. I hope your season's going well. And always remember, the quarterback can't see with tears in their eyes. Thank you.